Welcome to the Mostly AV Who We Are show. In this series, we highlight an AV professional, learn more about their story, and get their take on our industry. And now, without further ado, please welcome our hosts, Michelle Lorette and Jerry Gallegos. Hello, Michelle. How are you? Hi, Jerry. You sound very perky today. Oh, I don't It's the coffee. It's the coffee. <laughs> nice. Well, I am excited uh, because today we have uh, an AV Tweep, a friend of mine from Twitter, James King. James is an audiovisual specialist uh, at Stockton University up in the, the Jersey area. And he is apparently a big soccer fan and a soccer coach, which I think is oh, kind of okay. neat. So welcome to the show, James King. How are you? Hi, Thanks. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. So I did a little LinkedIn stalking because uh, I just think that's appropriate, right? I mean, if you're going to interview someone, that's how you find out uh, things that you don't know about them. Um, is this the only job that you've ever had at the university? Um, not really. Um, so really what happened was I was a student worker. Okay. Um, and I graduated. I went out to what I call the real world uh, for three months. Mm-hmm. I was a web developer for a small company. And then um, during that three months time, I got called by who used to be my boss. He moved on, but uh, he called and he's like, there's an opening, apply. So I applied and been here since then. That's also uh, 12 years. Yep. That's that's amazing. I, I wish. I've never been able to... Um hold job longer than seven and a half. That's my record. So I don't, it's, it's interesting. You never know. I mean, I could have stayed. I just hated my management at the time. So I was like, I get, I get to five years. It's like just at the time that I'm eligible for that additional week of vacation. Uh-huh. And then something happens. Something else happens. Yeah. Something. Yeah. The economy or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so James, I, you are very active on Twitter. Um, and you also, I know were a big participant, um, with HEPMA. Uh, the Higher Ed Technology Managers Association, um, as well as all the events and the shows. Um, when you became a student worker, what did your position look like? You know, that was, what, 15 years ago you became a student worker. So what did the job look like then, and what does the job look like today for you? Um, so really my role has changed many times, but when I was a student worker, um, I was at what was at that time with first borrowing was academic computing. Mm-hmm. So that um, team took care of all the computer labs, classroom equipment. Um, AV fell under that as well. But really my main role was uh, when I first started was filling printers, making sure computers are up and running. Um, then I became what's called a senior lab technician. Mm-hmm. And I spent the time creating images and deploy them to labs. And that's where I really used, I had a IT background. I, was, I actually got my BS in uh, information systems. Oh, I, My ultimate goal was to be a network administrator. Mm-hmm. It was at that time, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so that's really what I did was I developed software classrooms, uh, but on more on the computer side. Like one of the things I did was um, we we use Firefox as one of our browsers. Firefox is very customizable, right? So we would make custom customize it, but then it would get messed up because if you didn't lock it, people can go and change it. 
So I developed a way to lock it and deploy it. So we wrote scripts that basically sent our config out and then locked it down. Um, but fast forward, I got back um, at Stockton full-time under telecommunications and Fackless app helped us. So I did a lot of that for the depth from 2008 until I think it was 12, 13 or 15 that um, I was in that role handling mainly CCTV. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. And then a lot changed in the course of like a, a couple of weeks. Uh, I moved offices multiple times, things uh-huh. change. And all of a sudden one day I got called up to the VP's office and they're like, yeah, you're no, no longer telecommunications. You are now academic computing. You're going to handle our AV. I'm like, okay, I never touched AV before. So, and I took with it and ran with it. Um, I really enjoy what I'm doing. So it was a really good move. Um, we did like, we go, we went for an award change. So academic computing no longer exists. Yeah. Um, so now we fall, the AV team falls under telecommunications again. So I'm okay. back under my boss of telecommunications, which is great. I get to do some networking and IT stuff. And uh, but focus on AV. Nice. Well, you know, it's interesting. You talked about locking stuff down. Yeah, when I repped uh, RGB Spectrum, we had one of the uh, hospital systems, UT Health in the Med Center, Jerry. And unfortunately, the integrator was struggling, and they had a really good RSM that knew how to program things. And so, you know, we show up on site, uh, and, they, and it's with their whole IT team. It's almost it's a data center environment, if you will. And so it's kind of their EOC command and control. And uh, we had sold them these tactile eight button, you know, that way they could just hit the presets for the configuration. And it was feeding into a, a planar, I think uh, two four by two video walls. Well, we left and they didn't close out the GUI. And so of course all these IT guys, cause they're so smart. <laughs> they start getting into the interface. They, if you, I wish I would have sent a copy of this email because I knew the guy, he had been at MD Anderson Cancer Center for 25 years before he was at UT Health. Don Schwartz, really nice guy. Um, the He was using IT language to explain what he thought was going wrong with an AV program. And unfortunately, at that point, you know, this was five or six years ago, never the twain shall meet. Like he was like applying the wrong logic to it. And I just was like, guys, how could you not close out the interface? Of course, they're just naturally curious. They're going to get in there and start messing around. And then when it's broken, they have all this logic behind it. They're Do to uh, unquote improve it. Yeah, exactly. Or at least understand it. I think the, you know, natural right. curiosity, right? It looks like something we should be able to handle. Do you, uh, where do you see yourself uh, going in the future? Uh, in ter- I mean, are you, you've been doing the, the college life. Are you, do you like staying in higher ed? Is, is that a vertical that you find rewarding? I do find higher ed very rewarding. Um, yeah. as- people are nice. I, I like the people in higher ed. Yes. Uh, the people in higher ed is good. Um, as even Joe Way would say, we are a unique vertical. Um, and we, being in-house integrators and stuff, that's one thing I love about my role is I'm never doing the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the in-house programmer. 
but I also design, I also install, I also troubleshoot um, along with my coworker. Um, so it's always changing. It's, all, it's not the same Monday coming in, sitting at the computer eight to four, banging out code. I'm always doing something different, which is uh, really nice in my job, in my role. And that's a great thing about higher ed. Um, and also, you guys think we're working, we're educating students. Um, yeah. And what education is about, the, the students are here because they want to learn. Yeah. It's not like a corporate where they're just making money and rolling things out the door. Our clients are coming in because they want to be here. Yeah. Uh, they want to learn, and we are a catalyst to help them learn. Well, along that vein, so you're you're a soccer coach. Have you had an opportunity to mentor people um, in your current position or uh, a previous position? No, I really hasn't mentored anyone. Um, so, I mean, we did have a student worker who became a, a temporary employee for us for a little bit. Um, I was trying to work with him, guide him. But then when COVID hit, yeah. we all went work from home budget crunches, and even before anything was officially decided, he knew he had to do things for himself. Sure. So he moved on on his own before we could even say, no, we can't bring you back, or yes, we could. He just right. went on his own. He's now working for a, uh, I think, an integrated firm or some tech firm now, but he's doing pretty good. But uh, so, so really, I haven't had that chance to mentor anyone. But that sounds like something you would be open to. I mean, anybody that's a coach, right? I mean, you like helping people and showing them the way and stuff. So I think there's that opportunity, certainly. Yes, there's um, definitely an opportunity. And um, as I even posted today on Twitter, um, I definitely think I suffer from the imposter syndrome many mm -hmm. times. Um, with the whole AD life with that we you were on and Renee and all them, there was... A lot of that hit home where the imposter syndrome and mentoring, there's moments I'll be like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. And then there's other moments where like, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> At least I feel like it. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was very meaningful what Gina Sansevera said um, and very honest and self-reflected. The odd thing was that she was explaining this. I, you know, I was raised by a narcissist, my mother. And so as a result, I don't know. I just have never felt like that. Like, even if I knew I was, I was kind of out of my league, I, I didn't worry that I was being an imposter. I don't know. You know, like, and then I thought, well, God, does that mean I'm shallow and lack self-reflection? I don't know. I, I felt really bad because I was like, well, I've never felt like an imposter because I was, I always knew I was supposed to be wherever I was, even if I was, for me, it was more like I would feel like a fish out of water, right? You know, like, oh, God, you know, but then again, I don't know. I've worked in a lot of male-dominated industries, so I think because I was inherently always the odd gal out, if you will, I mean, I was always a little bit different, obviously. Um, I don't know. I think I just kind of rolled with it. Um, and I, I don't know. So, yeah, I just thought that was very interesting and curious. When COVID hit and y'all all went remote, um, what ended up being what was keeping the university up at night? I mean, obviously the concerns about returning, what, what did y'all prioritize? What, what became your, your plan and your marching orders for how you were going to handle at some point, everybody coming back together? 
So really, New yeah. Jersey was hit. They were very early, so they handled things very differently. But yeah, but you got students that come from all over. So yes, we were hit early. We were hit hard, especially with mm-hmm. a New York area, um, and we are still one of the bigger states that have the higher lockdowns. So we're still not even fully. Um, I think what Florida just announced the other day, they're fully open everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're still locked down. Things are open slowly. Um, really, it was, I don't know what was keeping up the C-level administrators. Um, the stuff I focus on was, and I still use this statement today when I work with classrooms, is our classrooms need to be able to accommodate everybody in them or nobody in them mm-hmm. and anywhere between. So it was kind of just making sure that we had the proper equipment that if a professor wanted to come in and do high flex or do all virtual, the equipment and the tools were there for them. Um, so the stuff we started deploying out was uh, we made sure all our document cameras were connected to the computer as well uh-huh. as the control system. Okay. So they can use that with Zoom as a secondary camera. Um, Real quick, are y'all standardized? Do y'all have a standards that you've developed that this, this is the product that we've kind of vetted and we know how to manage and get support for? Yes, as most people, the standard does get modified um, sure. as we evaluate. Yeah, it's, it's a living off. document, right? Yeah. yeah. Living, breathing, it's definitely we... Uh, definitely standardized and all our classrooms are very similar because we we don't unlike some universities where they uh, might have a wing dedicated to engineering and a wing dedicated mathematics right our areas is it could be mathematics in one classroom engineering in the next and biology in the other so our classrooms seem to accommodate all exactly um, at any given moment Mm -hmm. so we have what tools any faculty member walking in the room needs. That goes from document cameras to Blackboard. Actually, most of our Blackboard's been taken out. We use whiteboards, uh, projectors, and in-room PCs with Podium. Um, We try to go with a standard um, keypad layout as best we can so that the buttons are in the same spot, the keypad's in the same spot. So when they walk in the room, they know what they're doing without even really looking at the controls. Do um, you offer day and night classes? Yes. Um, I don't know the full range of times, but I do know uh, classes start as early as 8, 8.30 a.m. And they'll go until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then what, what hours are y'all available to support those classes? Are you kind of always on call during that time, even if you're not physically there? So our help desk, um, they, during the school term, they're here normally probably till 11 midnight. Oh, wow. Um, yep. And on the weekends, we're here as well. Uh, a central help desk that handles everything um, with student workers the AV team, me and my coworker, were a eight to four. Um, but the beauty of being in IT and being able to do things is if I get a call at eight o'clock at night, I can easily remote in and resolve an issue. Uh, so that hasn't been a problem. Uh, and also it doesn't happen much. We yeah. we try to 
have very reliable equipment. We do proactive um, maintenance, so our uh, student workers or we'll go around try to find problems before the faculty does. Yeah. Uh, we also have equipment that um, Center Alerts, um, just the other day, we got an alert that a projector lamp needed to be replaced. And I went during a class break of doing the swap. And as I was doing that, a faculty member walked in and go, oh, is there a problem? I'm like, no, nope, just got to swap out the lamp. And she's like, oh, I didn't even know it needed to be done. I'm like, yeah, I got an email from the projector. And she was shocked by that. She's like, oh, really? <laughs> right, right. I'm like, yep. And so we try our best to be as proactive so there's a little disruption to classes as possible. Do you, um, when technology evolves and it gets to a, a price that is uh, affordable, right? Um, like laser projection that is now less than a buck a lumen. At some point, do you pivot towards that? Have y'all started buying laser projectors? Because you mentioned replacing lamps. And I'm like, oh, that's so 2009. What are you yeah. killing me, Biggs? <laughs> um, I definitely like the idea of lasers. Um, we have a handful of laser projectors. Okay. They're more of our higher-end uh, rooms. Okay. And our first uh, area that we installed laser projectors was our sports arena. Oh, smart. Yeah, we went from a two-projector system that did, um, I want to say they were 10,000 lumen, but really by the age, they were only really producing 8,000 lumens to three 30-foot uh, by 20-foot screens mm-hmm. on the wall with three laser projectors that are doing uh, 12K. Right. So nice. I would say I I would put a laser projector anywhere where for sure that I knew I needed to use a a man lift to get to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If if you can reach it on a ladder, hey, whatever works, right? Whatever fits the budget. But if you can't reach it, oh my gosh, definitely set it and forget it type technologies. So, um, so do you think it's funny when we argue about AV over IP and AV as a service? What's your, (laughs) as somebody who comes from IT do you are you like you guys are ridiculous uh, I don't find it funny I um I, I know some people think it's they find it odd that that argument is always going on and really there's two sides of it uh-huh. and both sides I feel are very valid in their arguments um and I will not ever say that a computer technician is going to replace an AV technician. Right. Because that's not going to happen. You still need to understand the AV stuff. Even with me coming from IT, when I first entered in, I'm like, oh, this is very easy. And then I got into it. I'm like, okay, there's more here. And there's more here, especially on the audio side. I went from saying audio was either there or not there. Other than that, I didn't care. Yeah. Now it's more okay. I'm looking at the EQs. I'm looking at gates and duckers and oh, nice. all that stuff. So it's stuff I'm learning and I'm evolving all the time. So I definitely saying that. Yeah, no computer techs are replacing a AV tech. Do you have more of a passion for audio now? Do you think it's because like you mastered the video side of it or, you know, that practical application side and you were like, well, there is another specialty within AV, right? The audio. How, how did that come about that you became more interested in the, in the audio side? 
So I was kind of thrown into a um, large scale project. Um, we had an event room that was acting up. It's a large space with three projectors uh, that it's a divisible space. So the one side is our board of trustees room, but then they can open it up and be a large event room. And so we looked at the equipment and it was analog equipment. It was outdated. Um, so I was tasked with upgrading the space. So that was really my first taste of a large scale project, especially that involved um, audio. I had first time putting a DSP in, uh, first time working with um, larger formatted amplifiers. Even though we had them, I just, I never worked with them. It was right. more supporting them. And it was fun. It was, um, I went to, we, we are a Harman shop here. So yes. I went to BSS training okay. on audio. And I learned quickly how powerful that can be. Uh, the DSPs, the Crown Amp. Um, I will admit the IT person in me really likes the Blue Link technology. Uh-huh. Um, hey, you guys know anything about Blue Link? I don't. Do you? Jer- Jerry's an audio guy, so yeah, there's I'm an audio a- guy. So yeah, I, Blue Link is um, it's a technology that allows you connect um, the Harman equipment, the DSPs, um, and the Crown equipment. To each that's other, you can kind of create like a loop, and right. it's 256 channels of audio over a Cap Five cable. Nice, um, and it, it's nice cleaning saw, like barely any latency, and even with the redundancy, if you drop one of those nodes, it auto sends the other direction, so you can tell that it dropped. Which is nice. So yeah. I, I mean, that I like the a redundant ring of, of communications. And yeah. I actually had that when when I did the cricket stadium in Antigua back in 2007 when we put that in, oh. and we had that running over fiber because we had different amp rooms and stuff, and we had to distribute it around. Yeah, we um, we we haven't done it over fiber. We're still doing it over cat um, six cable. Um, the longest we've done was we have an amp room in our theater. Um, so all the amps are there. And then DSP and uh, another amplifier is in a, um, where is it? Uh, a control booth. So it's right. like a pretty long run. But other than that, it works very well. Um, the one downside I don't like about it is you can't route it over um, network switches. So it's not like a Dante or mm-hmm. ASE or, or not ASE, but um, like the Dante technology. So um, that's the only thing I don't like about it. But other than that, it, it's a nice um, because it really allows flexibility. Do you think that um, if you go to upgrade stuff, you would go to a Dante type platform? Does BSS offer that now, which they probably didn't offer that back then? They do uh, have Dante. In fact, uh, I have two what they call blue Dans, which is a uh, blue uh, link to Dante uh-huh. that I was playing with. So I just haven't had a production need for Dante yet. Um, I'm actually a level two Dante certified. Oh, I nice. think that getting my level three Dante certification, but 
as I said, I don't have any in production. So I was like, I don't see a need to go for my level three cert yet. Yeah. Um, but it's something I've been monitoring, something I've been watching. I just haven't had a need for it yet. Within y'all's environment, do y'all do lecture capture and, and streaming of classes? Is that something or are y'all still kind of a traditional model, if you will? Uh, we're more traditional model. We don't do lecture capturing. Um, there are times that a professor does ask for that, but that falls under our uh, in-house production team. Oh, okay. So yeah, you do have a, 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 an events type group that handles. Yeah. Ah, okay. I, I work, we, we work hand in hand. They actually fall under our organization now. So they're under ITS and um, they, they handle all the live events and production events like that. But there's a lot of times where I'm brought in to help them out with, because uh, they're either in a room I did AV in it. So I'm working hand in hand with them all the time. That's awesome. When um, when you returned to campus, um, was there any type of fear factor? Was anybody concerned, or were they more worried about when the students came back? Um, I think you always had the people who were concerned. Um, sure. Personally, I wasn't concerned um, because I have a feeling that it, everyone's going to get it. Everyone's going to get COVID. It's at some point. Gonna, yeah, at some point, it's just going to become with the flu. Um, now, with that said, I do take my precaution. I do wear a mask. Yeah. Um, even though it's required, it's something I, I do. I, I'm curious, though, but have you researched um, mask efficacy with um, an extremely generous beard, such as the one you sport? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you have not? Okay. So I'm just saying you might be playing a little Russian roulette. I don't know. Yeah. If like, you know, if it gets up under the hair and then travels, I'm not exactly sure what the when, travel when did, patterns are. When did your campus open up for? So uh, we technically never really closed. Uh, okay. We had folks here all the time. Okay. Uh, we good. did send the students home um, the last term. And then September 8th, this term was when classes officially started. Um, right which is our normal that like okay. we did not change our schedule at all. Okay. Um, we did not enroll as many in-person courses as we normally do. Mm -hmm. um, I think the last time I heard we're about 10% in person of all our classes, which is so fair number, um, but nowhere near what we used to do. Um, that, like I said, it's eerie because if you're normally in our, where our uh, student enrollment is, is if you're like five minutes late getting in, you're searching for a parking spot for an hour. Mm -hmm. Now I can technically roll in at any time and find a spot within two minutes. So that, that is a major change. Um, That's but, crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it's a, it's definitely a weird change seeing how that is, but I think for the most part, we, the students are doing just fine and our faculty are handling the situation. So we're business as normal. Uh, we're still here educating the students. So it's either in class, remote, or uh, high flex. So some in class, some remote. Do you uh, travel to uh, trade shows? So 
I've always wanted to go to Infocom, um, but I personally never felt I could justify going at the time because that's when we are normally doing our large scale projects. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, Good like point. I'm doing all the installs of programming and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's high season, right? It's in June, so yeah, sure. But this year, when it came up, I, or last year, I. I asked, I'm like, can I go? And they say, yeah, no problem. So I was all set to go. Uh, of course, then COVID hit. Uh, so as Tim Albright says, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's so sad. And it's interesting. I um, My first official year in Pro AV, uh, I worked for an integrator, um, but I didn't really have a desire to go to Infocom. It just didn't, I don't know, I didn't. I didn't get it, if you will. I guess I was so new just trying to understand all the AV concepts of active equipment that, I don't know, it escaped me. Now, mind you, the integrator I was working for, the owner was the president of Infocom, yet somehow I still was able to cultivate a complete disinterest. Um, but then when I went to become a manufacturer's rep and I did start attending, um, I just love trade shows. I don't know. It's fun. I like the energy, you know, and the vibe. And um, well, it condenses a, a, the whole AV experience in one week, or actually, really, what three days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to you get to meet all the people that you emailed with. Yeah, you get you know you get to talk to the manufacturer people that you've again exchanged emails with, and maybe had phone conversations, tech support sometimes, might be person. working the booth. Yeah. And then get well, you actually do people. go for a week because you go for all the classes and stuff. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're you go for a very meaningful yeah. um, experience. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm hopeful. So Jerry, did you see uh, that they they moved ISC, uh, which is going to be in Barcelona starting next year? They moved it to June. Oh, really? Yeah, because Spain's mm -hmm. still acting up. So now the ISC and Infocom are both slated for June, um, and That'd they are within like. I don't know, eight to 10 days of each other or so. So uh, yeah, it, it is kind of crazy. So yeah, I'm just hopeful that, that I don't know, see, cause that's the problem. If I say this, people are going to be like, she's delusional, but I, I but I am hopeful <laughs> that we could get there. I mean, uh, Infocom China is going on right now as we right. speak. No, so I think, I think by then, you know, a lot of the stuff, I think at, even right now at this point, you know, being what the end of uh, September. Yeah. We're a lot of communities already starting to open up and saying, okay, there's not a whole lot more that we can do. We're not really going to prevent anything more. We need to kind of open up, you know, the society, not yeah. you know, but business society in general, we got to get back, back to normal. There's not going to be a new normal because we're always going to have some kind of disease floating around. Blah blah. Right. Blah. So right. We kind of need to, you know, it's like we need to quit arguing about, you know, what what part of the pool is going to be the the pissing section. Or lack sure, of sure, sure, sure. Because, like you said, everybody's going to be exposed to it at some point or another. Well, now you just got back from vacation. You took I a did. short little uh, vacay down to Mexico, one of the That's countries right. that'll still let us army. in. Um, yeah. Nobody else wants us. What was that? Were there any restrictions? Were there any protocols? Uh, Actually, I'm just curious. It, as a sidebar. It, when we got there, apparently the resorts had just, the government has just let them start opening up that week. Ooh. And by protocol, if you were in a public space, like a, the airport, even in, through the shuttle mm -hmm. and at, at the resorts, they're kind of asked like, you know, where, where they, and they 
very perfectly worded. It's like, we suggest you wear a mask. Mm -hmm. The workers had to per the government. It's like, if you're going to open up anybody that works, you're wearing it. But they, I never saw anybody else question a, a, a visitor. It's like, they're not going to argue. It's like, if you don't want to wear it, we don't care. Was it packed? What, what? No, it was starting to open. Actually, it was weird. This particular resort we went to is one that we went to in our uh, my wife and I's honeymoon six years ago. Uh-huh. And back then it was a lot of European crowd. This time the, it was they well, they could only open up to 50% capacity okay. with 20% of the workers. Oh wow. Okay. So that was their limitations. Of, at the, again, they had they've been completely shut down for five months up until that week. Okay. So what we noticed is that at that particular time, a lot of the native Mexican people were there. So, you know, they're all from all over Mexico. They're like, because it's real cheap right now because everybody's trying to fill uh, yes. up their 50% capacity. So it was like they're they're jumping on them because they don't have travel res- restrictions within their own country. Oh, uh, it's like Vegas. Yeah. Apparently Vegas is dirt cheap right now. Well, if anybody those were, there was a couple we met that just got married in Vegas. Vegas is still to they make you wear a mask in the pool. Oh, wow. If you're now in that, the pool at that, hotel, that you would be work. tricky. Uh, that would be very tricky. But again, oh, it's like people fighting over it's like, what part of the pool can you pee in? Yeah, yeah. No, I you get know, that. Like, I guess it's craziness. It's craziness. But people are waking up and it's like, okay, enough of this. So, uh, sorry, James, back to you. Back to um, you. No, no, no. I asked because I, I really was curious. So, James, um, would you recommend this industry to people? Uh, yes, definitely. I think it's a good industry to be in. Um, it's one that, to tell the truth, I wasn't aware of until I was, as I coined, dropped into it. Um, it's definitely a interesting field, and I enjoy learning everything as I go. Um, so I definitely would recommend this field to anybody from a career standpoint uh would you give yourself any different advice uh or what advice would you give yourself 15 years ago um no to tell you the truth probably not really um i know it kind of it seems to really worked out well for you i mean that's yeah yeah, um, very serendipitous right yeah there's always um the big what if and all that stuff i I kind of go with the whole saying of with the farm, the uh, was um, the maybe story. I'm sure you heard that with the farmer and the horse. No, I don't think I have. So the maybe story is it was a farmer horse breaks loose. A neighbor goes bad luck. Farmer goes maybe. Horse comes back with a wild horse. Neighbor goes good luck. Farmer goes maybe. Son trying to tame the wild horse, falls off, breaks his leg. Neighbor goes, bad luck. Farmer goes, maybe. A war breaks out, draft happens. Farmer's son doesn't get drafted because of broken leg. Neighbor goes, good luck. Farmer goes, maybe. It's just that whole thing is you don't know what's coming down the road. Uh, so exactly. it's one I of the like things. that. Yeah, it's, I actually heard that on a television show. Uh-huh. I really went with that and that one I go with. And the one I posted uh, over AV and AM was uh, 
A man cannot enter the same river twice. For the man and the river are different. I saw that. Yeah. So I like those, that too. Yeah. Those, those two things really stick out with me. It's more that we got to adapt to change um, right. and go roll with the punches. Um, I'm always been one like that anyway. There's whatever comes down the line, just roll with it. Yeah. You seem uh, pretty chill that way. Yeah. I'll admit I am pretty chill. Sometimes too much. Yeah. Yeah. I work on that a little more. But, uh, that's okay. I'll balance you out, James. <laughs> uh, just ask Jerry. I've, I've known to cross over. I try not to do that, but sometimes uh, people just frustrate me. Um, that's awesome. You know, I think your story is really fitting for the times, you know, and I, there's a cartoon that I've shared on Facebook and other places, you know, it's the, the kind of a field of people, you know, with the person up on the stage going, you know, who wants change? And everybody mm-hmm. raises their hand. You've seen it, you know, and then mm-hmm. the, the next picture is, you know, who wants to change? And everybody's like, oh, well, I want change, but I don't want to change. Yeah, there is a natural resistance uh, right. to change because and we are. You and I have seen that a lot with some of, some of the people that we both work with where, you know, it's like, well, I grew up in the 80s and the 80s, we did it this way. It's like, well, I grew up in the 90s and the 90s, we did it this way. I know. I'm like, hey. people are the ones that kind of like have fallen off to the sides, and all of a sudden, their their skill set they don't grow their own skill set, and their knowledge becomes irrelevant. It's like, yeah, I know. Like, great, you know how to you know you know how to rebuild an engine that only works on leaded fuel. Well, they have right. this whole leaded fuel. In the no, I know. Hey, so. I, I know. I know how to terminate yeah. fiber connectors. Well, guess what? They have gel matching now, and you don't have to do figure eights, and I you don't have you don't have to know how to do anything. I mean, it's right, like, exactly, I, right. you know, we did this stuff when it was hard. knowledge is especially in skills is really uh key and that's why i'm always a component for learning um when i got dumping the ab i that's when i actually started working on my certifications and i actually have a wall in my office is past uh posted with certifications i've gotten from ab most of them are ab some it ones Uh Um, i never touch a certification uh, of course, I'm too, I got here, but I'm also um, now working on my MBA. Oh, you are? Oh, yes. excellent. Nice. Um, That's I, a heavy lift. Yeah. Congratulations. I was, thanks. I was uh, torn at first going, I looked at the CTS. Um, I did, I still want to get my CTS, but um, my, I, one day I kind of sat down and thought about my path and my end goal. Right. And I sat down and I'm like, I see myself getting into management. Mm-hmm. If I do, if I don't, if I do it Stockton, if I do it somewhere else, or if I don't even get into management, I need to do what I feel is going to get me to that end goal. Even yeah. if it doesn't happen, it's not because I didn't do what I needed to do. Right. Um, so I sat down and looked and I'm like, I've always wanted my MBA. The one perk of working higher ed is they pay for most of it. Uh, it's a big perk. That's yeah. a huge one. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So I took the offer. I'm like, you know, I'll put the CTS on hold for now. Yeah. Um, focus on my MBA because I also have um, a one year old at home plus two older kids. So it's. But so you don't sleep much. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. exactly. <laughs> What's sleep? But, um, 
So I definitely- well, arguably the NBA is is um, is more well known than the CTS. I'll just yeah, say right. that, right? I, you know? That's where I kind of look at it. Uh, NBA will apply to many fields. If, again, if I wanted to be an IT director in somewhere else instead of just AB, I would have that yep. skill set to move over. Um, so that's like I said, I sat down, looked at my end goal, and that's why I decided to work on my MBA and put the CTS on hold. I'm still you, looking you at probably it. Though, you'd be surprised. You'd probably do your CTS without worrying too much about it. I, that's what, James, I know. I'm 99.99% sure, King James, that you could ace that CTS <laughs> yeah. without even cracking a book. I really do believe that. Yeah, I, just based on the amount of continue education and certifications that you have organically sought on your own and just kind of the variety of your job. It's very all encompassing. You're part of a two person team. Um, yeah, I I think you, you already have that body of knowledge. Um, yeah. So I actually actually thought about it, um, to still go it. In fact, I was very toyed with when Infocom waived the fee for the training. The yeah, practice. I know. Um, I, I was really interesting. And the only thing that held me back from doing that was that the testing centers were closed. Oh, right. I didn't right. want to take the prep course and then be a year before I could take the No, no, no. I know. Because then it's uh, no good. Yeah, you yeah. have to apply it Yeah, after, yeah. Like, pretty soon, I think, after you've prepped. That yeah. was the only reason that held me back on the prep courses. I, I was really, I was looked at it. I'm sorry about it. I I actually think I had it in the car ready to pull the trigger. And I'm like, well, testing centers are closed and who knows when they're opening. Um, Especially in New Jersey with us still being shut down. Um, So that's what held me off there. But I still want to know. I did the prep course for the CTSD, which is the the harder one. Yeah. I I renewed my CTS for the fifth time in January or February this year. Congratulations. And it gets expensive after a while. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, but yeah, the CTSD. I'm kind of the same scenario because last year's Infocom, I took the prep course at at Infocom, uh, and it's considerably more involved. Um, but the basic CTS, when you've been in the industry as long as you have, you kind of have that grandfathered knowledge. You know, the only re- really thing you got to look at is knowing how to read their their uh questions right yeah. because it, yeah it can be subjective you have the knowledge you just have to know how to read their questions and realize that they're not testing you for what you know they're testing you for what they taught you yeah and how yeah. they worded it yeah they, they do stuff like that part of the stuff they do is that they'll give you two possible correct answers you got to pick which one is most correct yeah i hate that. my thing is i i'm a very poor test taker um, I can sit here and have a conversation with even my professors. I, I learned this actually in high school. I was uh, just took a test and I handed it in and the teacher looked it over. Um, and then what I actually realizing, she asked me the same questions that were on the test. I got them all right verbally. But I got most of them wrong on the test. Oh, no. Just because that processing the written saying i guess i didn't handle well um so i i try now to work make sure i reread the questions many times to make sure i pull in that um questions that they're asking and then 
answering the way they want it to answer. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a horrible test taker. Yeah. Biggest, I biggest thing I can give to anybody that I've learned over the, of taking all the certification stuff. Cause I, again, I have a big wall full of them too, although they're in a folder, but <laughs> the thing is like, don't read the answers, whatever you do, do not read the answers. Cause a lot of yeah. people will try to match the question to the answers, you know? So you, you read all four answers and go, okay, well, and so you assume, you know what the question is based on what the answer possible answers are. And it is like cover them up, don't look at them, da-da, and then actually comprehend the question properly first before you expose the answer. Oh, I like that. That's good advice because I've true. actually psyched myself out before. Right. Because I've like read that. through an entire test and then I just started crying. I mean, yeah. it was eighth grade. I don't know. I just was overwhelmed. <laughs> okay. I was, I didn't get to start school on time. I got mono. I'd never even kissed a boy because I was an eighth grader and I, I just got completely overwhelmed. And the teacher took pity on me. The first thing she said was, well, did you read the whole test? And I lied. I don't know why. I just was like, no, because I thought that she might force me to take it. And I knew I just right. was not prepared for this test because I had not been in class at all. And uh, I got away with it. But that's very good advice. Yeah, just go ahead and answer it in your head. Have that answer. And then look at the, what, what the choices are. Right. Yeah. That was a good but that's like a lot of people out, especially like it, it when you when you've had a certain amount of experience in the in your industry and you're taking an industry test. Well, you think you know it. Yeah. So you go in kind of cocky. It's like, oh yeah, it's like I, I got this, and you're like, you know, there'll be a silly question is like, you know, if you know if Johnny sold five apples, and to Mary who was wearing a blue dress, and Steve was wearing a green T-shirt, how many apples? did mary get and you're like you think you have to answer regarding the color question and yeah. that has really nothing to do with the question it's really about you know so you, you it, they do stuff like that to kind of throw people off reading stuff that my friends have posted with common core teaching i yeah. i feel like a total idiot because that was not the methodology for what i watched somebody do a a math question mm -hmm. uh using common core and it just, oh my God, I was like, why are you doing all this work when you could just memorize your multiplication tables? I, I, I don't know. It just seemed like I get they're trying to teach them how to think or be a thinker. Uh, but I was like, I don't know. Mm. It felt to me like you were going around your elbow to scratch your back. Yeah. You know? right. yeah, Common Core is definitely very interesting for why they're teaching it. Yeah, I was. I just figure I'm not smart enough to understand its value because I don't know. I'm like, what's this trash? Not what I know. <laughs> well, that's one thing. Is um, that's another reason why I'm a big component for educate. Always education is her saying of uh, just because you're doing it this way doesn't make it right. Right. So it's always making sure you can do it and do it right. Exactly. Awesome. Well, James, we really appreciate you uh, spending some time yeah, with us today. Uh, so if people want to find you, if they want to track down James King, uh, how do they do that? Uh, the easiest way is on uh, Twitter is uh, AB underscore James King. That's probably the easiest way to get hold of it. Awesome. Well, thanks, James. Thanks, Jerry. So good to see you. Welcome back from your vacation. Thank you. Well, I guess that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Mostly AV Who We Are Show. We hope you have a wonderful day and that you stay safe. Until next time, take care and stay AV awesome.